Hello, and welcome to the Nomi Key Show. I am Nomi Key Konst. So let's talk about Senator Joe Manchin, the Plunkett of West Virginia. If you are a member of our TNS Nomi Key Show book club, you know just what I mean. And if you're not, well, you should sign up now at patreon.com slash the Nomi Key Show because the Plunkett of Tammany Hall is one of our books. George Washington Plunkett was a Tammany Hall word healer a man for whom integrity was no substitute for experience, and all of politics was about rounding up local votes, even if you had to buy them. Folks like to describe Joe Manchin as the most conservative Democrat in the Senate, but for better or worse, that totally misunderstands the man. Joe Manchin is not ideologically conservative in the manner of, say, like Ted Cruz or Josh Hawley. (laughs) Joe Manchin thinks he's just like an old-fashioned local politician. He wants to do what his voters want him to do, right? And of course, what his local businesses want him to do too. Because Manchin grew up in a coal country. He takes a lot of oil and gas money. And back when he was governor of West Virginia, he took a bill to cap carbon emissions and shot it full of lead. So much for that bipartisan process, right? He will protect mining to the very last lump of coal. West Virginia, if you can believe it, used to be a strongly democratic state. Bill Clinton won there in a landslide, helped by a young campaigner named Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin, ward healer, was in full view this morning on TV. And the most outrageous part wasn't even what he said about the stimulus bill. We will come back to that in a second. But my favorite moment was this. All right. Senator Joe Manchin, thank you for the kind words on my growing family. Grandma appreciates it there in the state hey, of West Tony, Virginia. Tony, you tell Grandma if she needs, it, if she needs a, a shot and she hasn't gotten it yet to call my office. She'll wait, wait in your, line. She'll wait what's in your line. Number? What's your number, <laughs> yeah. Senator? No, yeah. no, no. Thank you for the yes, offer, but yes, we're yes. going to wait what's in line. 304 <laughs> 304-542-5855. All right. And Senator Manchin, thank you very much. We appreciate thank it. Grandma, write that down. That was Joe Manchin offering a scarce COVID vaccine on national TV. As George Washington Plunkett said, integrity is no substitute for experience. And this guy has been a politician for a very long time. He understands how to maneuver, and especially grandstand. Seriously, Joe Manchin puts the crony back in crony capitalism. He wants stimulus help for restaurants and hotels, a big industry scene in West Virginia. And he is more than happy to hand out stimulus checks, right? I will bet a $2,000 check pulls higher than Joe Manchin in West Virginia. And he knows it. In fact, he says he is preserving the proposed $1,400 checks while enabling an effort to cut back on who gets them. And even Joe Biden is trying to rein him in. This is the guy who holds the fate of the stimulus in his grip. So let's get back to that interview this morning and listen carefully to how Joe Manchin is using his leverage. Good morning, Tony. May I have take the liberty of saying congratulations to you and Katie? Oh, thank you very uh, much. Ex- and Grandma is, in fact, a state a resident of the state of West Virginia. She's very <laughs> oh, happy there. So we'll be paying visits so as wonderful. a family. That's wonderful. That's and to nice. Gail and Anthony, hi to everybody. Hi, thank Senator. You. Nice. All right. Hi, Gail. So, Anthony. 
Senator, we've got a lot of families right now yes. waiting on this COVID relief. So the first question is a simple one. What happens now and how soon could that money be released? Well, the $1,400 is going to go out the door. I have all, uh, I mean, I have all the faith and confidence that'll happen. What they want to do is target it. And they're looking at basically the people that are receiving it, what income level, who needs it the most? And they're saying up to $50,000 for a single individual and up to $100,000. What happened? They had it 75 and 150 before, but we didn't know because of other factors involved, there were people making two hundred and fifty and three hundred thousand dollars receiving checks. Okay. And Democrats and Republicans start saying that was not our intent at all. So they're trying to make sure it's targeted to the people that really need it. So that's where it'll happen and it will go out quickly once we get this passed. There's been some objection among Republicans to the overall size of the package, one point nine trillion dollars. You've said repeatedly and you've told the president that you want this to be bipartisan. My question is, is that bipartisan uh, comment a red line for you? In other words, if there are no Republican votes for the final package, will you not vote for it? Well, it's not that. That's, that's not the red line, Tony. The red line is, are we going to have an open amendment process? and look at everything and basically take the facts that we have. $4.8 trillion has been appropriated already and gone out the door. There's still money that hasn't been sent and there's $900 billion just spent. And there's different views from economists. The bottom line is we need a robust, but we need it quickly. And that's why I move the president and I spoke. I move basically to get this process started. But I was very clear. I'm not going to break the bird rule. <clears throat> I'm not killing the filibuster. I'm protecting the Senate in honor of Robert C. Bird, who's the seat I sat in. Yep. And uh, the bottom line is it's going to be a bipartisan. There, okay. there might be some changes. Yeah. And we're All right. Look at so the facts and based on the facts, we'll go from there. But. Doesn't take that. Okay, so two crucial takeaways. Mansion's red lines are a bipartisan process and the bird rule. Let's break that down. Democrats can use a process called reconciliation to, do, to avoid filibusters and the need for 60 votes. Reconciliation was created to final uh, budget measures, and the stimulus package surely is a budget measure, right? It can be passed with only 51 votes, which happens to be exactly how many Democrats we have right now. Manchin was very careful to avoid saying that he would vote against the stimulus unless some Republicans voted for it. Instead, he defined bipartisan as giving Republicans an open process to amend the stimulus bill. So there may be elements that get watered down unless we fight hard. In other words, Manchin said he is for the stimulus while setting up Republicans to whittle away at it. Then there is the Bird Rule, as in Robert C. Bird, the fine man that Joe Manchin got his seat from, the one-time segregationist who later his career said that if he could do it over, he would have not have filibustered the 1964 Civil Rights Act. Bird will always be remembered as a defender of the filibuster for racism. And his name is attached to a rule that limits what measures can evade filibuster by being part of a reconciliation bill. Simply put, reconciliation is supposed to be only for measures that affect the spending or revenues of the government. So, for example, some senator may say a minimum wage increase does not belong. How much will any of this change Biden's $1.9 trillion plan? That depends on how well President Biden and Majority Leader Schumer can hold the Democratic ranks together and on whether Biden can pull a few Republicans over to support the final package or pieces of it when other Republicans try to amend it. Biden has made no secret of his faith in the ability to manage a legislative negotiating. Don't forget he was in the Senate for most of his life.
You might say he views it as a core skill, but we are about to find out how great he is at it. The proof will be, able, will be whatever he can get past. That's where the proof will be. All right, we have a wonderful show today. Jordan Zacharin of Progressives Everywhere Newsletter is here, along with our very own Simon Rode. And right after this break, oh, what a day to talk about Joe Manchin. I swear to God, the, the news gods are looking down on us. We have uh, the one and only Corbin Trent. He is the co-founder of the No Excuses Pack, which was specifically created to challenge Joe Manchin and his Senate colleague, Kirsten Cinema of Arizona, for refusing to end the filibuster. That is our show today. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back to the Nomi Key Show. What a day to have Corbin Trent on. You can't make this stuff up. <laughs> I woke up and I swear to God, we're a very, you know, effective team. I'm very proud of our team, but uh, you've been booked for a while. So. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. This for is very fortuitous. Yeah, it is very much so. Uh, Corbin Trent, uh, old friend, he is a uh, the co-founder of the No Excuses Pack, and he is uh, one of the co-founders of Justice Democrats, which of course uh, helped elect Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, Jamal Bowman, and Cory Bush, among others. And he was the director of communications for AOC, as well as I'm just going to go through the list: national staffer for Bernie Sanders in 2016. Thank you so much for joining us, Corbin. I got 22. I was. Oh, you got 2022. I didn't even know that. Yeah, did them both. Yeah, catching up on all this god yeah. how do you have time jeez i don't know and and like are you painting i see painting in the background too is that no this okay. is the kids the oh kids it's the paint. kids okay yeah that's just sort of like my little zen upstairs attic area so i've surrounded myself with kids paintings and stuff they're pretty like talented gotta yeah, say. not bad not bad yeah, it'll do so i mean it's 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 a silly question to ask but what inspired you to start the no excuses pack you know it's uh so I, my other co-founders are uh, Zach Exley and Shoykat Chakrabarty. And we also do a podcast called Building a Dream. And there's like, you know, a dozen or so people that listen to that occasionally. And we were doing an episode. Uh, we were recording an episode and Joe Manchin made his comments about the $2,000 checks, right? And about how people really aren't hungry enough to need that money anyway. And all the other stuff that he said. And it just ran all over me. Like his whole thing, you know, we just watched Democrats finally pick an issue. And the interesting popular issue that that is, uh, you know, easily described to people, we're going to give you money if you elect us. And then, you know, before they're even seated in the Senate, you got Joe Manchin out there trying to, you know, slow it down and pull the brakes and take hold of the Democratic agenda. And I thought, man, this, you know, this aggression cannot stand, man. This cannot go unchecked. We've got to do something about that. Like if he's going to do this, it's possible, but I want to feel like at least I gave it a shot to, you know, to, to change that direction. Uh, so we decided, well, what we can do is we can run some ads, but don't get any money. Um, so I'll have to make them myself, uh, you know, and then, so I just, we recorded an ad or two and then called around. Turns out you can place ads pretty easily uh, on radio and uh, started running some ads. And it, I'm going to guess in, in West Virginia, it, it's not too expensive of media market. It's also. not super expensive. Really, it's not. You know, and so you've got, uh, it's kind of interesting because our, our media is collapsing in so many ways. In so many places, you've got FM radio, AM radio, and newspapers um, are, are pretty bar- pretty good bargain these days. So that's You can also we're... buy them on the Nomi Kisha if you like. Can you? <laughs> All right. See, so this kidding. is important just stuff kidding. to know. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Show. We're giving it to you for free right now. Let's play yeah. one of those ads, uh, the first one of, of Joe Manchin, for free. <laughs> I want to support moving in a, in a bipartisan way. That means an open process. I've been very clear about that. 
But it's urgent. But basically, that, that is the only way that we can get assured to get a COVID package. Let's say that we start debating. I understand the pitfalls of debating. Sometimes the last one went nine months before we broke the logjam in December, if you recall. Okay? We don't want this to go. We can't afford. So we'll go down this and have things in place. But it's going to be a bipartisan input. That's what we're committed to. What you just heard from Joe Manchin was a commitment to bipartisanship and a commitment to uh, things like the filibuster instead of America, really. What he's wanting to do is stand with Republicans and stand with inaction instead of saving American lives, renewing the American economy, saving American businesses, and getting us to work doing the things that need to be done to heal this nation and to get this nation back on good economic and social footing. Uh, he's, he's more committed, I think, to protecting this brand of an outsider, you know, an independent thinker that's ready to do what needs to be done and can do the common sense thing. But his commitment to the common sense approach is actually making him do some stupid stuff. Uh, and, and he's standing against things that are popular across the board, popular Republicans, independents and Democrats. And this COVID package is one of those things. We've had to, we have to basically drag him kicking and screaming to get him to support this. And we can't keep doing that. Uh, you know, we need these Democrats, whether it's Kirsten Cinema, Joe Manchin, we need them to get with the program and we need them to put this country back to work and work with Democrats that were given the House and the Senate, that were given the White House to do some stuff. And if Republicans want to sit around and do nothing, then we don't need them sandbagging us and pulling us down. What we need to do is do the work. And if you agree with that, hopefully you can help us tell these Democrats uh, that we're going to be running ads. We're going to be doing a lot of different things. Go to noexcusespack.com and uh, make sure that your voice is heard by signing up there. If you want to donate to help us run ads in West Virginia and Arizona and across the country, uh, then you can do that, too. Anyway, uh, you know, let's, let's hear it again. I'm going to play this audio clip again, and you tell me, is this man more committed to, you know, keeping – basically uh, Senate institutions and Senate uh, uh, traditions alive, or is he more committed to keeping Americans alive? I don't know. You tell so, me. So what I, um, I really am, I'm, I'm, I think the bipartisan thing uh, gets under my skin a lot. Like when, when first off, it's, you know, there's the whole excuse of, well, I have to, I have to represent my constituents because West Virginia is Republican. And, you know, I got, they, they care that I work with Republicans. Who said that? Who's, right. First off, who said it's so conservative? Let me guess. I tweeted this out earlier today. I'm going to guess that $2,000 checks are a lot more popular in West Virginia than he is. Oh, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure you're right. <laughs> the American dollar is way more popular than most of our representatives. <laughs> Shocker. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if, if you're playing these ads in West Virginia, though, I mean, let's just use their uh, their logic that, okay, West Virginia is more conservative and uh, they see things through the lens of how Joe Manchin sees things through the lens yeah. of partisanship. Um, that's what I thought was so interesting about the checks. And that's, I mean, so yeah. the ad we ran on the radio there, sort of like Joe put himself off on an island here, right? He, he you know, he wasn't with, at the time, President Trump was still in office, right? Mm-hmm. President Trump was supporting the checks. Uh, Josh Hawley was supporting the checks. Marco Rubio was supporting the checks, right? Biden, Ossoff, Warnock, like, you know, literally the list uh, you know, it's a big Venn, <laughs> Venn diagram here. Bernie, all these people, you know, are all together in that, except for Joe Manchin, who's out here by himself on this little island. And it made no sense. It was obviously just a calculated, I think, poorly calculated political ploy. And so, that you know, that's sort of what the, the ads targeted was the fact that he was out there by himself. Right. He was out there doing the work of Joe Manchin and not the work of uh, the people of West Virginia. Is it because? 
because he's just so isolated from reality now, like he, uh, West Virginia is one of the poorest states in the country. Um, it's one thing to protect coal, which, you mm. know, I get it. Like he, you know, it's, it's a big job provider and, and in West Virginia and I don't agree with it, but I, I, I understand that defense, but to me, it doesn't seem like he's, this is all about coal. It seems like it's about big business and, and a senator who's gotten very comfy in Washington and mm. really has no idea what's happening on the. Maybe I'm wrong, but like for mm. someone to say things like, I don't think, you know, I think we need to, to, to lower the rate that people qualify for these checks. Yeah. So it's not going to people who make more money. I mean, I, I'm going to guess small businesses and people who in the last tax cycle uh, could have declared more money and qualify for these are probably not making what they made last year or the year right. before. So yeah. is this just like gobbledygook lobby, lobbyist speak, just easing, you know, oozing through his, his veins? I think that it's a, I think it's just a total miscalculation of what, uh, his, you know, the people of West Virginia f- think and feel. And I think that's evident really in election results. If you go back to his 2012 election, he won by like 25 points, right? But you go to 2018, he won by around 3%. Right. It's a huge decline. Right. So what you're seeing, I think, is going to be the same thing you saw in Missouri and Louisiana, you know, Claire McCaskill, all these people where you've seen these Democrats that sort of decide what they've got to do is just blend in, man. Don't move. Don't do shit. And and it doesn't work. That's the thing. Right. Because if you're just going to be a semi you know, uh, progressive Republican, they'll just go for the Republican. Right. And, uh, you know, I also think that it's just a disconnection, as you mentioned, there's something that, you know, when the man says people, if they're hungry, then we can help them. But, you know, people are doing fine. I mean, apparently the people he's around are doing fine. Right. And I'm sure that's true. There's actually, you know, that's yeah, the I, I am too. <laughs> I'm doing good. Right. I've had a good run here. Things are okay. That's the, that's the really jacked up thing about the pandemic is that some people, and I think it's like top, 30% probably, maybe, maybe 40%. I don't know. It's a good chunk of Americans are doing good. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are doing better. Billionaires and all those people are doing way better. Right. Mm-hmm. But then you've got this bottom 50 that are struggling, right? Struggling real bad. There's the Walmart behind uh, people are living in tents behind the Walmart in my neighborhood. You know, I mean, like tents, like there's four of them. Right. And there's, you know, you see shopping carts along the road where people are traveling and moving their stuff around. I mean, there's like literally in the countryside of East Tennessee, people are starting to build, you know, little shanty towns. Um, And that is disconnected completely, I think, for most of our senators. Most, I mean, I guarantee you, Marsha Blackburn is not having those people over to the House. Right. And neither, apparently, is Joe Manchin. And there's there's also this assumption that. And I'm watching this right now with the COVID vaccine. There's an assumption that things are going to take care of themselves and it's not the government's role to do anything about it. Right. And, you know, Joe Manchin's basically is just this laissez-faire kind of thinking at best right now. He's kind of, you know, maybe we need to help a little bit, you know, Jim justice, the Republican governor of West Virginia is out there pushing harder for right. COVID relief funds uh, than the Senator. And the crazy thing is you mentioned, you know, coal mines in West Virginia, the interesting thing is there are not really that many jobs there in coal mines, right? right? There's actually, I think, about 30% of the people that work in West Virginia are working directly for the government one way or another, about 30%. So wow. think of how important a government bailout, you know, these dollars that are coming in this particular COVID relief bill are going to be for people that are working there. And then a whole lot more of those folks are working uh, in 
construction and then more folks there uh, in retail and stuff. So, you know, it's a complete and utter, I think you're right, disconnection from the reality of the the lived experience of the people of the state of West Virginia, you know, and it's too common. I mean, I think just uh, it feels also like an ego trip. You know, he's willing to be the the block. (laughs) He's willing to be the power broker. He's willing. I mean, Joe Joe Biden literally came to him this week, not vice versa. And, uh, you know, kissed his ring. Well, didn't kiss his ring. But but, you know, that's essentially the role he's creating for himself. Now, there's another person that you just mentioned, which is Senator Kirsten Sinema. And I'm. I've been frustrated with her for years because, you know, she was once the most progressive uh, state lawmaker in Arizona and flipped as soon as she got to Congress. She ran yeah. as the most progressive, won a primary as the most progressive and and then flipped. And now she's um, one of the most progressive senators. Let's play that uh, clip of Kirsten Cinema. Senator Kirsten Cinema seems to think things are working just fine in Washington, D.C. She's OK with the gridlock because it protects her. She thinks the filibuster should stay right where it is. She thinks your checks are getting out fast enough, that the tests are happening rapidly enough and that everything is OK. Countless hours of partisan bickering and back and forth. They don't prevent one case of covid. They don't stop one death. They don't create one job. It's time Kirsten Cinema stood up for the people and stood against the filibuster. No excuses pack is responsible for the content of this ad so um what stands out to me is um, senator mark kelly newly elected uh he's it seemed like in the beginning he was positioning himself to be sort of in line with kirsten cinema on his first few votes um i you know he he supported a bill i believe that um protected uh raytheon which is you know there's a big raytheon uh base i think in his district and her district as well because they're both senators um but it seems like he's he's pulling away from that space mm-hmm. very quickly but she's she how do you think she gets away with this well, i mean for one thing you get every six years you get elected that's so that gives you a lot of space right um that's true good point that People gives you a whole lot of space to and that's the reason you know we're taking some heat uh as normal, uh, anytime you do anything, you know, we took a lot of heat when we launched Justice Democrats uh, with the intention of primarying Democrats um, because people come at this. I mean, it's so funny to me how similar the ideology is of the people that are criticizing the primary idea are because it reminds me of talking to my neighbors about wages, right? Or being treated poorly at work. They're like, man, you should just be grateful you have a job you should just be thankful you have a job and it's the same kind of thing here they say you shouldn't attack or criticize cinema or mansion because then they might change parties you shouldn't tax companies because then they'll move to sweden you shouldn't you know everybody's always afraid like we're always sitting around terrified that people are going to leave they're going to leave new york they're going to leave the country they're going to leave the party they're going to leave us you know and i think we've got the you know the greatest country in the world. I think we've got the greatest party in the greatest country, uh, you know, and I think we should be proud of that. Right. And I think we should be out there fighting for our ideas more. Um, I think she gets by with it because she's built that brand right at the onset of her Senate career. Like she was this progressive, right. As a, then she sort of transitioned into this, I don't know, maybe she's kind of trying to channel John McCain, right? This sort of maverick reach across the aisle. But if you reach across the aisle and you come back with nothing for the people of Arizona and for the people of the country, what's the point of doing it, right? What, what are you reaching across the aisle to do other than build your own brand? Um, which, I mean, it's, it's an effective thing. And I, you know, that's why I think there's not a lot of leverage against senators uh, outside of my opinion, at least outside of 
getting them sick of hearing their name negatively mentioned in the media, uh, you know, shaming them or, or taking their jobs away. I mean, what else you And I think like he kind of, you know, Manchin kind of provides cover for her too. I mean, people don't hear as much about cinema and I'm surprised how many folks, well-informed Democrats are just unaware of how conservative she is. Um, because you know, like she, uh, she like got her swearing in on what, what did she? It wasn't the Bible? I forgot. It was something progressive? Um, you know, people were very uh, like she. She does these things that are flashy and get a lot of attention and are groundbreaking in some ways. But then at the end of the day, she's extremely conservative when it comes to her voting record. Um, have you ever thought about like taking these ads and targeting, say, like? Emily's List donors, <laughs> or, or I mean, because I think a lot of donors to her campaign would be surprised to right. know her voting record. There, you know, we are experimenting with the digital side of that because you can do some more hyper targeting. Um, and we were looking, you know, obviously we look at where we're going to run and where we're going to target. Um, and there are some some places in the Upper West Side of New York that I think would be ripe for targeting here because there's a lot of money that's going into some of these campaigns. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you do at some point need to start targeting their money. Um, and just making sure the New York Times. Right, that people don't know. They assume Democrats are doing the, the right thing. They assume Democrats are fighting hard for, for the things that make sense. Right. I mean, just in, because I think it's such a good example of, of inaction. I think COVID is a great sort of, um, it's not a dry run because it's an important, you know, literally people are dying because we're not doing a good job at it. Um, but it is, a, it, to me, it's a really great uh, opportunity to see all the failures that we're having and mm-hmm. things that we need to fix. And one of the things that we need to fix is that nobody's really driving the ship, right? Mm-hmm. You know, when it comes to vaccine production, everybody's just waiting for Pfizer to ramp up production. Everybody's right. waiting, you know, for they're all just sitting around waiting for the invisible hand of the market to come in and save us. That's right. And it's not just invisible. It's imaginary guys. Right. It's not going to happen. It's, it's like trickle down. Snuffle up of this guys is <laughs> it's not really there. It's not going to just trickle down from the No, no? it's no. not. No, I don't think so. You know? <laughs> no, and, Jeff you Bezos' know. tears aren't going to, you know, keep us safe. They might. That might work. <laughs> no, that could be um, well, I mean, I think, I think this kind of reminds me of uh, in New York, there was this whole IDC fight. And I remember when we first started being the drum on, on the IDC, I got two things when I heard when Went to editors when I was at TYT and I said, I want to cover IDC. No one's covering it. They, I don't even think people had organized around it yet. And he's like, nobody cares about this. I said, what do you mean nobody cares? He's like, nobody cares about this. Mm-hmm. I fought over that for a while. But then I would go to folks that had been in New York politics for a long time, covering the IDC for a long time. And they were like, yeah, they're not, you know, good luck. Don't, I wouldn't put all your energy into that. They've been there for like 10 years. Right. And then what happened was through targeting and thoughtful communication and coalitions and all these groups that came together, you saw the Upper West Side, like ladies say, wait, wait, what? Our Senate in New York is eight of them are caucusing and one of them representing part of that district are caucusing with Republicans holding up everything like the right to choose and, you know, codifying Roe v. Wade, excuse me, to be specific. And so suddenly this this group of like normie Democrats who probably do seem see themselves more progressive um, and support just all women and all candidates because they want a Democratic Senate. got angry and on the streets. And I think a very similar thing because of this moment and all the things you just said, um, 
that's the kind of, these are the kinds of relational dynamics like power. Well, we always say power mapping. It's like, who do we see we can move if they were just aware and mm -hmm. how much work would it take to get them there? And I think your strategy is super smart. And I would, I mean, I would well, it must be that because you've obviously that. done some amazing things that, you know, I mean, it's, uh, I, you know, I think there's not that many ways to approach it. Right. Um, and I got, I think we got to do something. Yeah, but I mean, imagine a game. national movement of of Democrats saying like imagine? enough. Yeah, yeah, it would actually be. And I think what's the you know, it's the expectations of loss, too. Right. I don't think most people think we're going to retain the Senate. They're terrified that we're going to lose it, which I get. Mm -hmm. And so am I, obviously. And I think that doing some stuff in the meantime is probably the best way to make sure we don't lose it. Right. And if you look at history as a guide, when we've been out there putting food on the table, putting money in people's pockets, building mm -hmm. jobs, solving social strife and issues, what we've found is that voters respond to that by expanding your majorities. Democrats had like a generation and change in the, you know, from the thirties to the sixties of growing majorities. And they were able to do some amazing things. Right. And we were able to change this country for the better in a lot of ways. And I think, you know, I was reading, what did uh, Chuck Schumer walks out of this meeting today and says that the, that there was a, a portrait of FDR over the meeting and that it was brought up several. And, you know, and I hope to goodness, man, fingers crossed that these cats get in there and they really do, decide that they want to build a legacy that includes, I think, saving this nation, right? I mean, you know, when you watch people storming the Capitol on the 6th and you watch what's 70 some odd million people voted for Donald Trump and, you know, you see all this division that we've got and they want unity. They keep talking about unity, right? And I think mm -hmm. part of healing is fixing, mm -hmm. you know, and I think we've got stuff to fix. So let's fix that and you know. Who's next? Who else is on your list of uh, targets, if you can say so? Or is it well, we're going to start here. I think we're going to we're going to we got things we're ramping up. We got some new ads coming out Friday, um, so we're going to be pushing those out. Uh, we've got some, I think, cool things that we're going to start doing in newspapers um, and sort of expanding on that. And you know, one of the things I hope to do is as we're getting cool and, uh, name ideas for people that we could actually run, and we're doing interviews with these people which we did before in the, as we did justice Democrats, we, I don't know, we got like yeah. I don't know, nine or 10,000 nominations, right? right? People actually went, they nominated people. That's how we found all these amazing people like Corey Bush, Jamal Bowman, Jessica Cisneros, AOC. And so I thought, wouldn't it be cool to kind of like put those people like on the podcast or something, mm -hmm. right? And actually do it publicly, have some of this stuff done, not exactly like a uh, reality Screening, TV right. show, <laughs> but, you know, at the same time, show some of these people, because what yep. we've got to say is that maybe there are better people in the state of West Virginia than this guy. Like, I think it's so funny. The thing I keep hearing from a lot of people is that Joe Manchin is literally the only person in the entire state that could run and win as a Democrat. And that's just ludicrous. I mean, when you're saying that, like, he is singularly, you know, positioned to win in that state it's it's obviously absurd right he's not um there are other people but the other thing i think is if you're going to run and win as a democrat in west virginia or in arizona again or in georgia or in alabama or wherever you got to have a decent democratic party brand and i think that's what we got to do over the next two years is build that brand by doing some stuff you know otherwise like doug jones these cats are going to be on cnn instead of the senate exactly exactly and and that's um I mean, listen, inequality, how much worse has it gotten under Joe Manchin? 
since the days when it was a Democrat, Democratic state. Uh, that's kind of yeah. what we led with. Um, let's yeah. let's let's close out this this interview with uh, the, the other Joe Manchin ad. But uh, folks want to help out, give money, obviously. Uh, Go to noexcusespack.com, I believe. We'll put in the link. Uh, what else can folks do? Uh, I mean, you know, sign up, right? So we're going, you know, you go there, you can sign up there and stay informed of what we're doing. As we grow, I mean, we started, I think, three weeks ago, right? As we grow, there's going to be a lot of ways you can help. Um, mm-hmm. When we put stuff out, share it. Like, we're going to put these ads out on social, too. Um, so share those. Uh, share and share alike. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and just sort of hopefully if you uh, if you see some folks that you like, sign, you know, nominate them. You can go again, no excuses, dot com. There's a little nominate a candidate at the top. Uh, tell us who'd be cool. And if it happens to be in another state like New York or something, go ahead. Put them in there. No big deal. <laughs> Why not? Just Why not? <laughs> let's, know, let's, let's find good people everywhere. What the heck? Yeah, exactly. I put a map Couldn't up. Hurt. Yeah. Corbin Trent, thanks for joining us. And so uh, let's play uh, that other ad real quick as we go out. Thanks again. It's going to be a lot of Corbin here. No. <laughs> it's the Corbin hour. I'm it's Mansion and Corbin. Yeah. That's the number to dial in as we do the all request drive at five. It's coming up your radio at five o'clock sharp on the station. That is number one for country. It's 97.9 WKKW. It. it ain't very often you see politicians in Washington agreeing. You rarely see President Trump and the Democrats standing together united on policy. But sending $2,000 relief checks to the American people was one of those rare times. Unfortunately, our Senator Joe Manchin thinks he knows better than both our president and the Democrats in Congress. I guess Joe just don't know what it's been like to live through the pandemic. We should call his office and let him know. 304-342-5855. We need our $2,000 checks and we need them now. Let's go, Joe. Again, that phone number is 304-342-5855. Tell him the Democrat majority sent you. No excuses, Pack is responsible for the content of this ad. Morning, got the best Bob. voice for this. Morning, <laughs> Sleep well, Hop. It runs good in there. It runs good in West Virginia, I guess. It does, right? and yeah. Arizona, I think. You know? Yeah, yeah. We'll run good in New York. They set up a Mason Dixon. <laughs> exactly. I could be the enemy in the New York ads. I'm ready to go. Yeah. I'm going to be the Southern Republican and yeah. thank them for sending a weakling to <laughs> McConnell's bidding. So that was the ad that I wanted to run. Nicole Maliotakis in Staten Island. <laughs> exactly. We can do this. this Thank you, job. Nicole. Yeah. Exactly. For making this. it easier for racists to storm the Capitol. <laughs> Real twain. Yeah, you could do this with us. It'd be great. <laughs> Easy. I'll try anytime you need it. We're going places. <laughs> Corbin, thanks for joining us. Uh, good luck. Me. <laughs> Hope to have you on again soon. All Keep right. feeding Bye-bye. us the odds. Free content. Yes, ma'am. They're coming out. Thanks, Tomiki. All right, take care, Corbin. Bye. All right, right after this break, we'll be back with our lovely panel. Jordan Zacharin and Simon Road are here to talk about all the day's news. There's um, some other some, some other spicy clips. This is a full, this is a lot of clips today. Uh, let's roll out with one of those clips right now for our commercial break. Hey, friends. I've got a question for you. Are they trying to terrorize our mindset? It's not white 
people while the schmoes happily write her check. Please, I'm Satanic pizza set. Hugh is a patriot. Waterfall. Marjorie Taylor Green. Are you going through? Welcome back to the Randy Rainbow Show. Uh, no, welcome back to the Nomi Key Show. As I'm, I'm so passionate about that video that I just knocked over a glass of water. Uh, hey guys, if you're in that chat, uh, make sure to hit that like button and subscribe and join us on Patreon. This is the pitch part of the show. Uh, if you like stuff like that, then invest in our show. Go to patreon.com slash the Nomi Key Show. Uh, it helps Simon, myself, eat, and the entire team. Uh, Simon Rode is, of course, part of Team TNS here. He's a former organizer for Bernie Sanders 2020. And Jordan Zacharin uh, runs the Progressives Everywhere newsletter. Let's start off with some Marjorie Taylor Greene gossip. <laughs> I mean, I know that's that that was uh, that was art. That was beautiful. That was I wish I could commission that for everyone I want <laughs> a musical about, specifically with Barbara Streisand's voice. Um, but I mean, he made one point that really stood out, which <laughs> she, she makes Michelle Bachman look like she's my Angelo. <laughs> Jordan, I mean, we have a real um, we have a real white supremacist issue, and I think. You know, it's not just her. There's there's plenty of men, but the women tend to uh, the women of the the far right that make it into Congress tend to take it up a notch uh, in a direction that we are not used to seeing. Yeah, um, I don't know. If, you know, as, as a as a white guy, I can't speak to the motivations of, of a woman and why why she might uh, take the white supremacy up a level. Maybe just need to be louder to get heard. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm of, I'm of two minds of this. Obviously, we need to you know fumigate the world of white supremacy. We need to fumigate the Congress of white supremacy, and that would like take out half the senators of the uh, Republican Party. So uh, yeah, there's Maybe a, a lot of big job there. Yeah. Um, I'm also, you know, I, it's great to just pile on her. I think that like she needs to be banished and humiliated and um, songs like that with the production value are incredible. Simon, Marjorie Taylor, <laughs> is this the strategy or do we need a few more? Well, honestly, I, I just, I love imagining her watching that video and how much she hates it. So I get a lot of pleasure out of that. So, you know, go ahead, Randy Rainbow. I, I will say that I feel like she, remember with Trump 2016, the sheer amount of news coverage she got? And it was like, he's a he's anti-authority. He's a bad guy. All the politicians are ganging up on him. No one likes politicians. And so I right. almost fear, I, I mean, I almost fear like, Piling on her just makes her stronger in a weird, perverted yeah. way because her district is not going anywhere. It's going to be even more Republican after this. And so, yeah, I, I hate her. I think she's terrible. I just wonder how much, like, the national news is just leading with her all the time now. Like, she's Trump 2.0, but more crazy? I, I'm, right. So that, that is my one fear. Yeah, and it's a great fundraising opportunity. Let's just be yeah. clear, like, how pull back the curtain on some of this stuff. Democrats see her. And, and they, they, I said this last week on the show, that – the Democrats could be pressuring in off, you know, Nancy Pelosi and, and leadership in office could be pressuring Republicans in very firm ways about uh, 
Trump, for instance, an impeachment. But instead, Marjorie Taylor Greene is low-hanging fruit. She's so crazy. It doesn't. It's not a huge risk for Nancy Pelosi to say, like, you know, take off a committee, the education committee. Um, let's just, David Hogg from one of the Parkland kids uh, tweeted out this video <clears throat> because she is somebody who um, essentially denied the Parkland shooting. Let's play that clip. You are a joke. Have a good one. No. Have a good one. You are a joke. I'm looking I forward to Ossoff America. winning. You know, you have I do appreciate America. Have a great one. <laughs> I mean, this is this is really what it's coming down to. But but the reality is, is like she is low hanging fruit, and she can also distract away, as you said, the, the, the media is giving her a tremendous amount of coverage. Uh, she can da- distract away from from real areas where they can pressure the Republicans to be bolder and take uh, their their former president to account for inciting um, a mob to storm the Capitol and try to lynch the vice president and many, many others, I'm sure. Um, also, it's a fundraising opportunity. I mean, is this is this how we run politics now is get a crazy person to run so we can all look smarter and better? You know, <laughs> you know, it's tough because the one thing that Corbin, stuck out to me. Can you come back? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Go ahead. To me, was that um, you know, the head of the DCCC was like, you can't have college voters and Marjorie Taylor Greene in your party. And the thing is, like, college college people educated people in the middle age are Marjorie Taylor Greene people. Uh, yeah. That's the thing to me. So I think, yeah, attack her. Like, she's terrible. She's a cancer. She's the worst. I think it's got to be not a class thing, though. I think that to me is the right. real thing. Um, and that's I think right. that like pointing at her hatred and her lack of credibility is awesome uh she needs to be just like i don't know i don't want to say anything violent but you know ushered out but i think making it a class issue is uh you know corbin you had corbin on there with a the sweet southern accent talking about how to access those people and i feel like there can democrats could do it in a way that uh just goes against every possible lesson they could possibly learn that's right yeah you know as long as we're you know substantive in our critiques of politicians i say you know go for it but um yeah I mean, we're focusing on like if the focus is on like she's sort of a you know a hateful white supremacist person who like supports like violent ideologies. Mm-hmm. I think that that you know that's something that you know can't be said enough. Um, but you know, if, yeah, as long as you're focusing on the substantive part. Um, speaking of substance. <laughs> Sorry to go here next, but it's too good. I think this is probably the best media clip I have seen. Just hands down. Um, I have once, I've been on Newsmax, I have to admit this, back in the old days when no one knew what it was. Uh, I was uh, asked to be a Democratic voice. My, uh, there were plenty of Democrats in the cable news circuit who used to go to Newsmax and they had bipartisan shows. And then it just went full on Trump and create, I mean, it was always crazy. I'll be very clear. It was always conservative. But um, let's uh, play this clip of the My Pillow guy. Because this is interesting to me is that like, just to remind everybody, Newsmax is like one of Trump's networks now, like OAN and Newsmax. And Mike Lindell thought that he was going to have an opportunity, the MyPillow guy, to talk about how he is being censored because they're t- deplatforming him from Twitter. Uh, they're banning his ads, which were str- strangely like showing up in my feed. So what a waste of money anyways. Um, <laughs> but let's play this clip of Mike Lindell, uh, who thinks he's going to have a great opportunity to talk about his censorship. What, what happened with your Twitter account and the uh, company page? Well, first, mine was taken down because we have all the election fraud with these Dominion machines. We have 100% proof. And then I, 
when they took it down um, uh, about my, three weeks my, ago, I, and then I, when I put it back up, my personal, I put it, it was a Mike, uh, thank integrity. you very much. Mike, Mike, I, you're talking about machines uh, that, that we at Newsmax have not been able to verify any of uh, those kinds of allegations. We just want to let people know that there's nothing substantive that we've seen. And let me read you something there. While there were some clear evidence of some cases of vote fraud and election irregularities, the election results in every state were certified and Newsmax accepts the results as legal and final. The courts have also supported that view. So we wanted to talk to you about canceling culture, if you will. We don't want to relitigate the, the, the uh, allegations that you're making, Mike, because we, we, we understand where you are. So let me let me ask you this. Do you think that this should be temporary because it appears to be permanent? Could you make an argument that it is temporary? What? <laughs> could you make an argument that this could be a temporary banning rather than permanent? No, I want it to be a permanent because you know what? They did this because I'm revealing all the evidence on Friday of all the election fraud with these machines. So I'm sorry if you okay. think it's not uh, Mike, real. Mike, I, I, can I ask our producers, can we uh, get out of here, please? Uh, I, I don't want to have to keep going over this. Actually, we at Newsmax Mike, have not been able wait, to verify any of those wait allegations. Wait, wait for it. Wait for it. Everybody hold on a second. Mike, Mike, hold on one second. Uh, let's talk a little bit about just what is happening overall in terms of censorship. Of cancel out my company and myself okay. in this country. It's cancel culture. <laughs> that's beautiful that's a beautiful clip he's like a wind-up doll he didn't realize that they had uh you know stopped listening to him or something he just kept going it was that's kind of stamina and determination i'm almost i almost admire it it's the cross it fuels him it's like right by his heart you no know, that's what keeps him going you can see that it's so sad it's so pathetic it's so like like you're you're saying things that are so debunked that even Newsmax doesn't want to touch it. Or like, this is a legal liability, and and he's just he won't give up. You can see, you can. It's almost imagine you can imagine Dominion, uh, this, the company with a gun to the news anchor's head, being like, "You better, better deny this. You better deny this, or you guys are gonna lose. You're gonna be gone." Like they have like the plug in their hands, and which is so incredible. But it's also like the, the, the pillow guy is famous you know i think you know it's amazing the internet's democratized everything as we can see we're on this show but um pillow guy as a national is of national consequence yeah i mean listen i think there's just so much comedy to this you can't write it like the election integrity expert the remaining one like after he lost his legal team is my pillow guy i mean that's like donald trump but it is also so classic donald trump i mean donald trump the guy who went on campaigned with a bunch of stakes saying you know donald trump stakes that have been like out of sale for five years or whatever it was at that point. I mean, this is a guy who just peddled stuff when he was running for president in 2016. Of course, the remain the lone defender, his expert on election integrity is the my pillow guy, whose pillow, by the way, sucks. It makes <laughs> it you really sucks. question capitalism that that guy, uh, for whatever reason, he was able to become very rich and very provident. I mean, he's a white guy. Um, but right, wow. that's my first one. Yeah, I mean, wow. Like, it, he's an indictment of the system just generally, the financial system we work in. Well, and that, that's ultimately is. You're seeing this man break down on national TV over being deplatformed uh, or being called to account over verifiably, like, like, like insane 
conspiracies at this point. Like even the people who might believe it are jumping ship from Trump because they don't want to be associated with anymore. They don't want the legal consequences. They don't want to deal with the ramifications. But this is how egotistical, like how white male egos are just rewarded in this system over and over that when it gets to this level, they have meltdowns because they're not used to having any pushback at all. I mean, they've been compl- he's been completely propped up. He bought a bunch of ads on Fox News, sold some styrofoam in a, in a you know, wrapped styrofoam <laughs> called My Pillow, and made an empire out of it. He literally sold styrofoam. Like, that's how he became a multimillionaire. So yeah, that's how a lot of people become multimillionaires. It's called Wall Street. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Speaking of capitalism, um, in this pandemic, while uh, you know so many working people are facing the health effects and the economic effects of a failed um, economic system, of failed protections for labor, failed protections for frontline workers, while meanwhile, you know, obviously, so many candidates uh, this cycle ran to support uh, frontline workers, unions have gotten stronger. Let's post that real quick. But Mike, let's let's also talk about something else you guys have coming out in the newsletter this morning, and that is how the pandemic is affecting unions. What are you reporting on this question? Oh, Casey, uh, you report so much on power uh, ebbing and flowing. And at the time that I came up covering politics, unions were a much bigger factor, uh, especially in Democratic politics. They, they, of course, have been on the wane for years now. But Casey, look at these new figures that Axios is reporting. The percentage of workers who say that they're in a union is up to 11 percent now, up, up half a point during the pandemic. Why is that? Union workers were more likely to be able to keep their jobs during the pandemic. Unions did a good job of uh, enacting and enforcing protections for workers. A little twist to this, after all those union losses, and you and I have both covered so many Labor Day uh, events over the years where we see that power on display. After years of losing power, there's a couple new places that uh, unions are gaining. One is among tech companies. We saw Google workers organized. And the other is warehouse operations, which of course are growing around the country as e-commerce footprints grow. Yeah, for sure. I mean, all of the all of the boxes that we get uh, from Amazon, I know, and, and we have covered extensively uh, some of the challenges that those uh, workplaces um, have faced. Uh, I think like, hi, welcome to what we've been talking about for the last you know, 10 years extensively. <laughs> welcome to the conversation. Um, or do you want to go back to the body expression experts for the next segment? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <laughs> no, but the, the truth is, I mean, if we had, if, if, if we had an administration, um, say like the Biden administration over the last, you know, neoliberal Democrats over the last four years, do you, do we think, even though the economy um, had been so divided and stark and income inequality had been so uh, extreme, do you think if we didn't have this pandemic, we would still see these these numbers? Uh, you know, I don't know. No, I think, I think if anything, this is illustrating the, the value of them. I mean, we've always seen the value of unions, but I think if anything, you know, seeing the protections they've gotten, you know, the amount of people who are out of work all of a sudden and realizing the importance of unions too, realizing, oh, I would have gotten some protection. I would have gotten some support. And we're seeing places like uh, the Amazon 
right? The Amazon uh, plays in Alabama where they're trying to unionize and in the bathroom, uh, they have signs saying, you know, you don't need to have a union. Like, at, uh, there's no peace for it. And I think that's going national because we're all sitting at home being like, oh, wait, we got screwed and Jeff Bezos just left, left being CEO and he has $197 million. Yeah. Uh, and he doesn't want to pay $15 an hour with, uh, with some, you know, and plus we saw Prop 22, that right. just blow up. And so, yeah, of course we wouldn't, I don't think this pandemic would have all, without this pandemic, we would have this sort of uh, solidarity for unions, but it's up to Biden now and his NLRB and his Department of Labor to take advantage of it. You know, whether it's uh, canceling Prop 22 and right. expanding a uh, bill of rights for workers. Uh, That's this not going to happen. You think so? I mean, his his economic advisors, Kamala Harris's own brother-in-law uh, is, is, is the uh, lawyer for Uber. Um, you don't see that happening, do you? It, I think there's gonna be a lot of pressure. I think that mm. there's gonna be a lot of pressure there. And it's about if he, he has to fire a few people on the NLRB and force the head of it out. I think that's a big part of it. And I think he's gonna be forced to deliver that, especially if the Congress does not pass many of his initiatives. So, I mean, it's, yeah. Uh, I was just gonna say like, even without Biden's cooperation, I think this could have like very strong, like positive ripple effects. Uh, when people get involved uh, in collective bargaining or just um, in any sort of, place that they're advocating for for workers um that's like the strongest way to turn someone like into a leftist basically um is you know it's stronger than just like you know having someone read Marx or like attend a lecture or or argue and debate them it, it's the most powerful thing is for someone to get directly involved advocating for themselves and for you know their fellow workers um so we could see you know, this not just change uh, people's workspaces, but also their political outlook. Um, and when they talk to others and, and, you know, people start to see the successes, uh, like the small successes during COVID could lead to like longer successes in these unions um, later down the road, um, even, you know, after we're all vaccinated and back to life as normal. And in so many different states that we've seen over the last, you know, decade that have been organizing these revolutions in red states, um, you know, with the Biden administration, I think uh, there's going to be extra pressure to make sure that there are protections in place so people can organize in Florida and Arizona and other right to work states like Wisconsin. Um, simultaneously, these states are winning things like the $15 minimum wage or a wealth tax to fund, fund uh, public schools. So they're not solely relying on having the ability to organize fairly um, and collective bargain. Uh, but but still employing tactics in solidarity in states where you have the ability uh, to to organize in a much stronger way. You know, I'm yeah. very interested in seeing what happens once people are allowed to see each other and how desperate people are for that community. And the union can provide yeah. that as well. Uh, we're all stuck at home working remotely if we're, you know, if we're lucky to be able to do so. And, you know, I wonder if that's going to also provide an incentive for people to get together and, you know, to, to fight for, you know, for rights that they didn't have before, but now they want to see people, they want to be around people, and they realize that no one is looking out for them. Um, I want to shift gears real quick, because you know who is possibly looking out for, for us on Fox News is uh, Peter Ducey. <laughs> I think that Peter Ducey, I have a theory, I'm going to play this clip in a second, that Peter Ducey, or Steve Ducey, excuse me, Peter's his son, uh, that Steve Ducey, the elder, he hit his tenure, and now he just... Don't give an F. Let's play that clip. <laughs> I'm wondering what is happening there, and I'm wondering if Joe Manchin's going to get right. any uh, company in order to get somebody to reach across the aisle. You had 10 Republicans say 680 trillion, 680 billion. You have 1.9 trillion. I believe there's a halfway point of doing things that work. 
Listen, I, I know a number of people who are looking forward to that check. They, you know, I'm just telling you what the study says. No, that if it goes into their savings account, that's not an emergency. Uh, okay, but they want the money, and they figure, yeah, this is a good chance for us to get another big paycheck like we did before. Whether it's 1000 or 1400 they don't know. They, they just want the big check. Although a lot of them think, hey, Joe Biden promised me a $2,000 check, so I want $2,000. Congress, figure it out. I'm wondering... <laughs> Oh, my God. Can we put this in an ad, please? <laughs> Even Fox News wants the $2,000 checks. What is going on there? I'm loving it, by the way, because he's done this a bunch of times. <laughs> Antifa Ducey is the account. Did you see that? I don't know if you saw it. It's like his Bullworth moment. He's all of a sudden saying, screw it. I don't care. Uh, that's what it feels like. Go back and watch that movie, kids. Yeah. yeah. I'm aging myself, I guess. Yeah, it's like his Bullworth moment. And, you know, it's... It is, it's funny to see Republicans try and push that, you know, that tactic of, you know, it's going to go in people's savings account. Like people don't like have huge savings accounts, you know, like, is it so bad if people can pay next month's rent also? (laughs) That's what's crazy. Like you shouldn't have to be in poverty to get a little bit of help. And that's what it seems like. Whatever the guy's name is, like Kill Me or who knows. Brian Kill Me, yeah. Yeah, Sour Guy. So, no, I'm I'm all for our NTP. But the study says it. Jordan, the study sure. says that this is what, but I think this is the concern here. I mean, when, when you have Steve Ducey running to the, or running, speaking to the left of, of Joe Manchin, who thinks you have to be in extreme poverty. Uh, and, 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 and by the way, the numbers, like this is based on le- your, your tax returns from the previous cycle. So we don't even have updated numbers on, on, on the status of, of most people. Um, and they might even not even be aware because because folks are behind on rent or they're choosing to pay student loan bills before. And so that even the conditions for an individual are unclear. So to set these these means tests is and Steve Ducey is like, nope, not having it. People just want their money. <laughs> right. And I mean, people. Yeah, people need their money. You know, like there's people have been living um like a totally different standard of living over the past year you know most americans have like come you know they've cut back on you know a lot of um like sort of fun activities that they used to do they're just trying to like straight by on like the the barest possible uh so yeah just like give them give them some money it's like like this idea that like the sole purpose of like giving people a stimulus check is to stimulate like the economy, whereas rather than like actually just That's meeting right. people's basic needs. I feel like like just really thinking about that is like- They should rebrand it. It shouldn't be called the stimulus check. It should be called like f- feed my baby check. Survival check. Yeah, I, I like that. <laughs> I like that people are calling it that. And I think, you know, and the, you make a great point about the 2019 thing. You know, people's income from 2020 was so different. You could have made a lot of money in t- 2019. All of a sudden you're unemployed in 2020. You got to pay, pay a lot of bills. You're your savings is drained. If anything, if they do want to do some kind of test, give the money to everyone and based on their 2020 tax returns, you know, have a level where some of it gets clawed back. I, I don't think it should be 50 or even 75K. It should be much higher. But if you're going to do some sort of means test, don't do it based on 2019. That is just cruel and stupid. Exactly. And they know better. And they know that. That's ultimately, you know, the situation here. Uh, Simon Road, Jordan Zacharin, thank you so much for joining us on this very newsy day. There were so many fun clips. We'll just have to save some for tomorrow because there are just too many that are circulating today. But always a pleasure having you on Wednesdays. Uh, Be well, be safe. And before we wrap, I have to do a quick plug. Uh, I haven't been great at this. (laughs) Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow night, Matriarch Organization, uh, it's called Matriarch Movement, 
is hosting a fundraiser, a a like uh, a very large fundraiser to support working class women of labor that we're trying to recruit to run for Congress in 2022. And we're going to be putting together a series of trainings. Matriarch is putting together a series of trainings. And we're raising money uh, for these trainings to not only recruit and train candidates, uh, but to also recruit and and train support staff that has a labor background because labor, they're the best organizers. And we would like to see more labor in Congress. So if you want to support people like Cori Bush, one of our founding members of Matriarch, um, you want to see more Cori Bushes out there, Definitely check that out. You can go to uh, their Twitter account. We'll put it up in the we'll put it up on screen as well. They're um, speaking at the event. Congressman Ro Khanna, uh, Sarah Nelson, the president of the Flight Attendants Union, Flight Attendants Association. Also, Stephanie Kelton will be speaking at the event, and many more on that host committee. Uh, Larry Cohen, who is the former president of the Communication Workers of America, international and national, for decades, and he is the chair of the board of Our Revolution. who's the former chair of Bernie 2016, uh, that campaign, and many more. I don't have all the names in front of me. I will definitely list them out tomorrow because I think they're going to be some more but go check it out now it is a virtual event it'll be a lot of fun and it's only an hour so you know you could eat dinner and watch this and throw in some bucks if you can because uh, we want to see more Cory Bushes in office to everybody else thank you in the chat I have some shout outs to do uh, Ian Kinzel seems like Joe Manchin has no actual idea beyond less than what Biden wants if he has no ideas what does he have to offer his own voters very good point <laughs> Ian Kinzel, and that was not a typo. Okay, got it. I see what you're saying. Joe, Joe Manchin, like like a mansion, like he lives in a mansion. Very funny. Uh, Ray Lee, please tell Corbin to continue voicing the ads himself, even after they raise some money. A pro VO person, as a pro VO person, I think it would diminish the power of the ads to get somebody else. I agree. I think it's great. <clears throat> uh, Sue Farr says Jacobin got Corbin. B-Y-N, Nomi, not saying anything, just saying great stuff. We had Corbin with an I. Uh, great stuff on Majority Report yesterday. Thank you so much. I once interviewed Jeremy Corbin in person uh, when he was the labor leader, and it was one of the most exciting interviews I've done, exhilarating. Uh, we had a long conversation afterwards. That's up at TYT. There's a funny story behind that. I'll tell it another day. Most, well, Probably my most stressful interview ever. <laughs> Stephen Parney says, Time is a great leveler. Maybe Trump and his cohorts cohorts become less effective as time goes on. 2024 is, after all, four years away. We can only hope. Kyler Asado says, I'd love to see that for Blue Dog Lou Correa in the D plus 12, 46th Congressional District 2, meaning a challenge. And Prairie Fire uh, Kowalski from Nebraska sends me a cup of coffee. Thank you. I've only had one cup of coffee today. See how energetic I am? I need my second, though. I'm getting a little bit of a headache. Thank you to Harvey K, who's in the chat, always in the chat, always mixing it up in, in, in the YouTube and Twitch chat. And big thank you to Docs and Mario Q for working those algorithms. And huge, huge, huge thanks, as always, to our moderators, Bob Choke in the Orb and Chuck Diesel on YouTube and Dorian Sapiens, A Difficult Truth, and Nug Wrangler on Twitch for keeping the chat room troll we are so grateful we'll see you tomorrow we have a great show tomorrow tomorrow is thursday go check out that matriarch event i will put the link up and remember solidarity